Hello, I'm really glad you're with us today. We're wrapping up the series we've called the Proven Playbook Family Edition. And so let's do a quick series recap. First week, we talked about teaming in marriage. We saw how God's goal for marriage is to team together to do his will on the earth. And to do that, we have to make a shift from me and the focus on me to we. The next week, we talked about training camp. By God's design, family life is the training camp for raising up the next godly generation. Last week, we talked about communicating to win. Communicating in family life is very complex. It's actually complex whoever you're trying to communicate to. We must work through conflict to do it well. And God promises to give us everything we need to help us get to the root of our conflict so that we can communicate. This week, today, we're wrapping up the series with knowing your real opponent. Often, it can feel like your spouse or your kids or even your in-laws are your opponent, but that's, that's not how it is. The Bible is clear that our real opponent is spiritual in nature. In football, it's easy to identify your opponent because they're on the other line of scrimmage and they're wearing a different color jersey. That's, that's really helpful. In our lives, it's not as clear who our opponent is. And since we can't see our real opponent, their spiritual in nature, we often mistake the people that we're in conflict with for our enemies, our opponents. But they aren't the real enemy. Ephesians 6:12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The reality of the world we live in is both physical and spiritual. There is a physical, natural world that we experience with our senses. We see it, we hear it, we smell it, and we taste it. There is also an unseen spiritual world, a supernatural realm that is impacting our lives. It exists. It's just as real, but we don't experience it with our senses. Because we don't see it, we're often unaware of it, and we don't typically give it much thought unless we've been trained in following our playbook. Our, our playbook says that we wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the Bible makes it clear that this unseen realm exists. It's a reality and it impacts our lives. Our real opponent is spiritual. If you think about it, there are unexplainable temptations and there is a, sometimes I feel 
a supercharged pull to doing or saying exactly the wrong harmful thing. That's that's how it is. Our real opponent is behind that pull. He's behind the temptations. The Bible is clear that we have an opponent we're facing on the spiritual line of scrimmage of our lives. And if we're not aware of this, this dynamic of our real opponent, then we're going to get knocked down every time the ball is hiked. The Bible shows that we have one great opponent, Satan. Revelation 12, 9 and 17 says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then the dragon became furious, later on in the passage, the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Here are some insights from this passage. Our real opponent is called the devil and Satan. He is that ancient serpent, the deceiver of the whole world. In other words, he is the tempter who deceived the first couple and lured them in by temptation to sin, the very first sin, and as a result, that sin, their choice, infected the entire world with sin. And as we'll see in a few moments, we're we're responsible for our choices, but our real opponent is behind the temptations and the pull towards sin that we experience in life. Right now, I'm going to introduce another image into our conversation, the image of war. Revelation says, our opponent is making war on the rest of her offspring. And that's figurative language for the church. You you know that because it explains that our enemy is making war on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Someone once said that football is war without the shooting. But football is just a game. It's, it's, it's not really war. And what we're talking about in this message today is something very serious that has life and death consequences to it. So this is really important what we're talking about. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Lions devour things. And that's the devil's goal in our lives, to eat time and money up in our lives and to devour and cause us to waste them. 
he, he's, he's seeking to devour us. That's a stated goal. Can you imagine playing football against an invisible opponent? It would be almost impossible to do that if you can't see the opponent. You might be able to see the ball, but that, that's kind of a small item to follow. And, you know, they would have a tremendous advantage. Our, our opponent isn't visually seen with our eyes. So we're looking at this today so that we could be aware of what's going on in the bigger picture of the world around us. It's very important. Our opponent, Satan, is a fallen angel who was kicked out of heaven for rebellion against God. And he is the leader of a group, a whole legion, multitudes of fallen angels called demons. Step one in winning the battle is to be aware that we have an opponent of a spiritual nature, what he is like, and his goal, his aim in coming against us. He is making war, especially on marriages and families, because that is what God by his design, has created to raise up the next godly generation. And the enemy, our our opponent, he can wreak a lot of havoc if he doesn't, if he keeps us, if he thwarts the developing and raising up of the next godly generation. So it's imperative to know what we're up against and what, our opponent is trying to do because he wants to devour us and waste our lives. Another step in knowing um, where we'll, another step is knowing where in the world we're going to meet this opponent. And in football, we meet our opponent on the field. In war, however, you meet the enemy on maybe several battle front fronts or several battlefields, and often you're fighting the war all at the same time in these different battlefields. We engage our spiritual enemy on three battlefields. So I want to quickly outline the battlefields, but I'm not going to have time to go into a great amount of detail. Uh, you have some verses that I'm not going to walk through in your handout uh, that you can go through on your own, and I'd suggest going through them on your own, uh, but because I'm not going to take time to go through them all right here. But the first battlefield is internal, and it's called in Scripture the flesh. The flesh is the desire to sin that remains in us after we choose to follow Jesus. We we have this desire to fall back on our old strategies and our old ways of getting what we want even after we've decided to follow Christ. We're we're all sinners. That's how we're born into this world and we sin by choice because we're sinners. 
If you follow Christ, you've moved through a progression like this, and or you're moving through a progression like this. You go from being a natural man, uh, and then you become a spiritual baby when you give your life to Christ, and a seed is planted, the seed of new life, the seed of eternal life. And that life begins to grow and bear fruit over time. But we're never fully mature until we see the Lord in eternity. On that day, we will be completely like Christ. But until then, we're developing and we're becoming more and more like him. The way it is in this life, we have to battle in order to grow. We have to really work with the Lord and learn to cooperate with him to change us, to become more and more like Christ. And it's, as I said, a major battlefield sometimes in our families. And we, the, the, the struggle's internal. The fight, the battle is in our hearts and minds. And as we're learning to deal with the flesh and as we're dealing with it. So what does this battlefield look like in families? It can be as simple as a wife grew up in one kind of family, a husband grew up in another, and they have different expectations and goals. <laughs> so that's, that's the way it is. That's, that's a possibility of a tremendous amount of conflict. Uh, for instance, my wife was uh, an older child, and I'm the baby. I'm a spender. She's not, and she is a giver, which is commendable. But we we have struggled with this through the years because there are a lot of unmet expectations and block goals that come out of those backgrounds. And that's like James said last week. We looked at that, the source of conflict, the root of conflict, um, how we, we, we want what we want, we don't get it, and then we blow. That, that causes problems. If you and your spouse are coming from a different background, that is fertile ground for conflict out of your fleshly desires to get what you want. That's the way it works. We overcome the flesh, the scripture tells us, by staying in the realm of the Holy Spirit and drawing on his resources and desires to help us. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we, when we catch ourselves in the realm of the flesh, trying to use our old strategies to get our way, our sinful desires that are still there, are, are, we're caving into them. When we catch ourselves in the realm of flesh, we need to flip the switch and get into the realm of the spirit and draw on his resources that he provides to move forward in growth. And it's a battle. 
Galatians 5.17 says, The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, and these are opposed to each other to prevent us from doing what we would either way. The Spirit's trying to restrain us, to keep us from doing the evil, the harm that we want to do, and the, the, the flesh is wanting us to do it. And so there's this battle going on, and we need to know that. We need to know about that so we can deal with it as it comes. A second battlefield is external, and the Bible calls it the world. The world is the system of worldviews, values, ways of life, government, that are embedded in cultures and societies, and they oppose God. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2a, says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. So what what does the the battlefield of the world look like in family life? Well, for one thing, the world has a very different goal for parenting than the Bible does, than our playbook. Uh, it has a different approach, very different view of parenting. For instance, the world says, that your child's happiness should be the number one thing that you're focusing on. So that's why you run yourself ragged doing all the things you do for them because you want to make them happy. The Bible, our playbook, has a very different goal. In contrast, we're commanded to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord because our goal is to help them grow in godliness and develop in that, which actually has a byproduct of joy, which is true happiness. If you do right, you feel right, and you experience the joy that comes from obeying God. So to deal with the world, we have to revise our opinions, our goals, uh, our values, and our behaviors to fit in line with our playbook, the Bible, God's word to us. The third battlefield is supernatural. This is a reference to the devil. The devil attacks us by using demonic spirits, by the use of indirect tactics of personal assault, projecting subtle thoughts, feelings, and temptations. Sometimes the thoughts, feelings, and, and temptations are because of the flesh, but other times our opponent puts the seed of thought and feeling in our minds and hearts, and we take it and we run with it. it he he kind of works with our flesh, and he works with the world to make this happen. So, what does this battlefield look like in our families? For starters, it's looking at things simply from a physical standpoint, simply from what you can see. Remember, our opponent is spiritual, and we need to be alert to 
the spiritual aspect and dimension to whatever it is we're dealing with. If we don't even consider the fact that the timing and sequence of events could be an attack from the enemy, we're losing ground for sure. So here's one scenario that you might have experienced recently that is, I'll I'll call it the pylon. And it's not just a coincidence that these sequences happen sometimes. Uh, Our enemies behind them. You get, you know, after after a hard day at work or uh, a particularly difficult day at home with the kids, you get into a heated disagreement with your spouse. You go to put the dishes in the dishwasher and it's on the fritz. It's not working. Um, you go to sit down to cool off because you're kind of, you know, it's, you're agitated, you're upset. And as you sit down, the chair snaps and breaks. At the same time, your kids are in the next room and they're getting into a petty, maybe an even an epic fight over something like, you looked at me. <laughs> that that happens. Doesn't, does that sound real or what? I've I've experienced that when my kids were growing up. All of this happens right before your friend that you've been reaching out to calls and they're going through a really tough time and you've been praying for an opportunity to share the gospel with them, the good news about Jesus Christ and his grace and what he's done for us. But all you want to do in that moment is melt on the floor and and wallow in self-pity in your broken chair and be left alone and remind yourself over and over and go over again how the world hates you. That's that's the way the attack works. You ever had one of those days? That's probably an attack from the enemy and it's not a coincidence. He 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 has the ability to string these things together and even make the most of his opportunity to devour our lives and waste our lives on frustration and anger when we really could be doing something that's beneficial. It's important to know that we have an enemy and how he attacks us. So I want to look at some common schemes of our opponent. In football, Teams scout each other. That's that's the way it works. When I was in high school, we had a coach that went and scouted the other team, and he would come back and talk about their plays and clue us in. Because the more you learn about the plays of the other team and the tactics of the other team on defense, uh, the better chance you have of defending against their offense and um, also running your offense and making progress toward the goal yourself. So it's it's really important to understand the tactics and the schemes of the opponent. So I want to talk about those for a moment, some common schemes of our opponent. The first scheme 
of our enemy is, we call it the three-point attack that involves discouragement, slack-handedness, and indulgence. This is the way the attack works. Something happens to discourage you, and it's maybe out of the blue, you didn't expect it, but you're, you get discouraged. You lose energy and forward motion. You don't really want to, to do, so you stop being a threat to the enemy and doing what's right. Out of your discouragement, you get slack-handed. With a task, you're, you're not taking care of your responsibilities. And now what's happening is the enemy is starting to damage you and waste time and probably money as well as you waste time. Third, you start to think that you ought to enjoy some sin. And maybe just a little bit, but you indulgence in you indulge yourself and the enemy in the meantime while you're indulging yourself is doing damage to all the people that you're an example to you're not doing what's good and right and if you know this scheme if you know this progression then you can deal with it. You can stop it when it starts. So it's important to understand these schemes. A second scheme of our adversary is isolation. We get separated from our group, from the church community, from our family. We isolate ourselves, and we're not connecting with others for the purpose of teamwork and cult and, and encouragement. Um, Cape Buffalo, they're from Africa. They travel in massive herds and there is strength and protection in the herd. They can even fight off lions when they stay together. So this, this is really good. Um, we're not buffalo, but it works the same way with us. We need to be connected in our families. We need to be connected to the church community. We can find strength by staying connected to one another, and we can fight off our enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion. The Cape Buffalo, they, they can defeat even lions who are much quicker than them when they stay with the pack, with the herd. Here are some common lies that the enemy uses to separate us. They just won't understand me. They, they don't understand me, and they won't ever understand me and where I'm coming from. I, I just don't have anything in common with them. I don't really fit with them. Uh, we're, we're just different. If I can seek to connect with them, if I make the first move, I'll look stupid and inadequate. If I connect with other people, if I pull in, I'll have to do things I don't want to do, or my life is going to get much, much more complicated. Don't buy into those lies that isolate us. 
all of us have some common temptations. We deal with the same things in life, similar things, not exactly the same, but we deal with similar things. And there's tremendous amount of encouragement and strength by staying connected to the church community. And I'd encourage you to get into community groups if you haven't decided to sign up already. This is uh, a, a day that we're emphasizing to sign up for groups. So I hope you do. The final scheme is distraction. To simply distract us from anything that prevents us from doing God's will and focusing on it. We get distracted. I think this is one of the greatest plays the enemy has against American Christians. To distract us to the point we're not focusing on God's purpose for our lives. If we're distracted, we're not alert to the enemy's tactics. We're not alert to the enemy's existence even. And he can devour us. He can chew us up. And waste our lives. Each week in this series, we've been taking some look at some game changers. What do you do in your marriage and family life when you sense a spiritual attack coming on? When you realize you're knee deep in the attack and you need some place that can make a big impact right now, what do you do? Here are this week's game changers. They'll, they'll help us do battle, whatever battlefield the, the attack's coming from. First of all, first game changer is to pray. Ask the Lord for help, for the help you need right in the moment. That's always been the first game changer. And God is there. He's right there with us. He's walking through the temptation with us. He's, he's, he's there for us. We can call on him. And he will answer us. Second, use hey, say, pray, and obey. This is something we teach, teach the kids in Kids Zone, but it's good for us adults too. And I want to walk through it with you real quickly. Hey, what's going on? Identify the situation. I, here's what's going on, maybe. I think I'm about to blow. And lose patience with my kids. I think I'm just about to erupt. And that's what's going on. So I bring that to mind. I focus on it. This is what's happening. Hey. Then say. Say the truth from scripture. Something like, love is patient and kind. I, I need to focus my mind on the truth and then pray. A simple prayer. Asking for help in the moment. God Please help me to be patient like you are with me. Help me, God, to bless my kids and not blow up on them right now. And regardless of what they're doing, I, I need to do what's right before you and for them. And then obey. Take action and do what God says in the moment. Go ahead and be patient. Slow down. If needed, often for me, when I was raising my kids, I'd lose patience because I was going too fast for their level of development. I, I was expecting them to do too much and I didn't want to wait and and be 
patient with them as they do whatever it is we're doing. A life of obedience is taking one step at a time, and then another, and then another, and it gives us a strong foundation in our life in general, and a strong foundation, a strong footing to fight our battles. This is why we talk about next steps at the end of every message, because next steps, first of all, please God, but they also, every step of obedience, it is important for helping us to please God and live a life of obedience that really helps us in the battle that we're facing. So I want to encourage you to take some next steps uh, this week. My next step today is to, here's one, identify a scheme of our opponent that is defeating you and apply hey, say, pray, and obey. And then another step would be to sign up for the Practical Parenting Seminar in February. It's coming up. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I think you'll find it really, really helpful. Would you pray with me as we wrap up our message? Father, we thank you so much for the truth that you've given us. You've uncovered in your word, in our playbook that we've been calling it. You've uncovered reality. For us, help us to to live in line with your reality, God. Help us to be strong in you, and to be strong to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take, and to win the victory that you have given us in your death on the cross. We we praise you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. And we ask for your help. And we ask for your blessing as we move into this next week. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.